Imagine standing at the edge of a deep canyon, your heart pounding with anticipation. Will this cliff be the end of me or will I make it across? As you look out over the vast realm of possibilities, this is what life is like. As you gaze into the unknown, a surge of doubt, or is it fear that engulfs you? Can you leap across? Can you make it to the other side? The challenge awaits you. This metaphor captures the essence of self-efficacy, a psychological concept that determines our belief in our abilities to succeed. Many of us believe in our ability to succeed physically in external things, but may not have or hold that same belief when it comes to our ability to maintain relationships and inner peace. Self-efficacy, or what I like to call emotional mastery, is the belief in our capacity to execute tasks, overcome obstacles, and attain desired goals. It serves as a potential driving force in shaping our lives. Just as a sturdy bridge could span that canyon and take you across easily, Self-efficacy acts as that scaffolding that connects our aspirations with our achievements. It is formed through a dynamic interplay of experiences, accomplishments, and feedback we receive along our journey. All of us have the potential to accomplish our aspirations. And a lot of times we believe that when it comes to physical, external titles, but we don't believe it when it comes to internal titles. Will I be a good father, husband, wife, mother, daughter, sister, friend? Will I attract good, a good spouse? Will I attract, will I raise respectful, loving children? Am I capable of this? This comes with no handbook, but neither do all the other ones, right? Sure, there are plenty of books written out there about how to be or not be in order to become successful. And many of us have read them. Whether it's wealth book, business books, we may or may not read the books on inner peace, on emotional mastery. And then when we talk about feedback, let's add to that, that as we were growing up, we were told that we weren't lovable. Right now, you're thinking, I don't think I was told I wasn't lovable. (laughs) You probably weren't told those words, but many of us live with the idea that we aren't lovable. Scientific studies have unveiled the transformative power of financial therapy. Individuals with high emotional mastery are more likely to set challenging goals for themselves. 
preserve and be resilient in the face of adversity and bounce back from failures. There are those who appear to have wings because they propel over the highest amount of challenge. They use this greatness that they seem to have to go forth and become. But then that same person with all the physical accomplishments will have a life relationship and even a reputation that doesn't even come close to their financial or business accomplishments. Then there comes a time when that same person won't stand for it anymore. They won't trade the financial and the business success for personal success anymore. They don't want it to be lonely at the top. They want connection. They want significance. They want community. And this is where financial therapy comes in. See, financial therapy is probably not what you think it is. Maybe you've read an article or blog or heard a podcast about what financial therapy is. And I'll tell you that many people mistake financial therapy with financial planning or personal finance. And it's not that at all. Well, let's say about 10, maybe 20% of it is about the planning and the, the budgeting and the numbers. But 80 90% of financial therapy is about the emotional mastery. It is about reconciling your emotions around money so it no longer owns you. See, what, what we don't take into consideration a lot is that between zero and five years old, we set 85% of our beliefs in place. This includes our beliefs about money. We go through life trying to prove the hypothesis that we created at five years old. So in, essentially, even though you're 45, 55, maybe even 65, you're making decisions like a five-year-old. Yes, you've gone to college. Yes, you've gained experience. Yes, you've run a business for years and years, but in the back of your mind and really to truly in the middle of your brain, we often say, sidebar, we often say in the back of my mind or in the back of her mind or his mind, but really what's happening is in the middle of our mind, our brain is this emotion, emotional it could be an emotional roller coaster. You can see it as an emotion. If you visualize it, you can even see it. I like to describe it as an emotional jukebox. And it has the same songs playing over and over and over again. And just like a jukebox, it's pretty automatic. And so it just plays the music that it feels like playing. Well, your brain does that because it that's what's familiar. Now, if you want to add to that jukebox and put in some new music, you can. Or if you want to be specific and say, I want to play selection 1312 right now, then you can. 
you can manage the songs in that playlist. But if you don't take control or management over your thoughts and your feelings, your actions will be in line with the emotions that the emotional roller coaster or emotional jukebox is playing. And how does it make you feel knowing, one, that you have control over your emotions? They don't have to control you. But two, that you are making decisions like a five-year-old because 85% of your beliefs were put in place by five years old. So the other 15%, sure, they're there, but they're governed by the 85%. So that's why you hear me say it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. And because you have control, because you can master your emotions, you have to take responsibility. Now that self-efficacy or that emotional mastery that you feel about your, you may feel the mastery over your external accomplishments, but maybe not so much over your internal accomplishments, because maybe you've just ignored them. You didn't even feel like it was something you could manage. Well, I'll explain it to you this way. You know how your breath, you breathe without even thinking. In fact, while you're asleep, you're still breathing and you don't have to do anything. You don't have to program the, the program is already there. Your body, your brain knows to continue to breathe in order to stay alive. But if you wanted to, you could take control of your breath. If you needed to swim, you could hold your breath. And then you could let it go when you're ready. Now, sometimes your breath is going to say, hey, you need to take a breath right now or this is not going to go. <laughs> you're not going to make it to, well, you know, that next party you're trying to go to because you're going down. Yes, your body will keep you alive. But there are people who can hold their breath for two, three, four minutes at a time. So you can control it. You can practice it and you can manage it. You can master your breath. The same is true for your thoughts and your, your emotions, specifically your emotions. Your thoughts will come up. They'll come to you. They, you don't, you won't have control over the thought coming, but you do have control of the, over the thought staying or you going down a rabbit hole and taking that thought to the next thought and the next thought and connecting it and going too far. You also have control of the feeling that comes after that thought. Because if you can manage the thought, you, sometimes you can name it. And then once you name it, you can categorize it and put it out. Sometimes it's as easy as saying, you know, is this true? And a lot of times it's not. Or do I know this for a fact? Let's say, for example, your husband doesn't come home on time from work. Usually he gets there around 6.30, but... This time, now it's 7, it's seven, it's even 7.30, and he's still not home. No call. Where does your brain go? So for some, it will be like, oh, no, maybe he had an accident. Maybe he, had, maybe he fell off a cliff. Maybe, or maybe he's cheating. Maybe he's staying at the office with that new secretary he got. For others, it's maybe he doesn't want to come home to see me. 
Maybe I'm not important to him. He knows I cook dinner and why isn't he here? Now, if you're a man listening to this, you're like, yes, that's what she does. (laughs) Right? But none of this is true. And if you tell yourself, wait, hold on. Do I know this for a fact? No, I don't. Then I have to say, what do what are the facts? What do I know? I know that he's usually home by 6.30. So if he isn't, there's a reason. Now, I also know that he usually calls me if he's not going to be home by 6.30. Or if I call him, he answers. The fact that he didn't call and he hasn't answered, yes, that concerns me, but it doesn't necessarily mean that something is wrong. Maybe he's stuck in a meeting. Maybe his phone died. And then if you're a lady, listen to this and you're like, but this has happened again, time and time again. And how many times have I told him to do this, 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 and this? Yes, that is true. But it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. You know, I like that that rhymed, but I'm just going to keep going. (laughs) So I use that example. That's not a money example, but I use that example because That is what happens when it comes to our relationships. Many times we overthink, we we blame, we create these stories. And it's because of what happened between zero and five years old. Again, I'm not lovable. And so somewhere you believe you're able to be a good mother, somewhere you believe you're able to be a good wife, a good husband, a good brother, a good friend, somewhere deep down inside of you because you keep trying it. But there's this overarching subconscious brain belief that you'll mess it up, that you're not lovable. And with financial therapy, specifically self-sync financial therapy, you can release the idea and you can have self-efficacy, self-mastery, in your relationships. The reason why I started this practice is because when I was a financial advisor at Morgan Stanley, I would see couples in my office and they would argue over money. They would argue over their differences in the idea of the presidential lifestyle. And I often felt like I was starting these arguments because we had to address these things in order to to complete their financial plan. And we're completing their financial plan and I'm asking questions that they haven't even thought of, nor have they discussed between each other. And the first time they're discussing them is right here in my office and they disagree. And they don't really, they're not, you're not really taught how to argue. And so they don't know how to have these conversations, but nor do I. I'm a financial advisor, not a financial therapist at this point. And that propelled me into my career to becoming a financial therapist. I hated creating those arguments. I hated not being able to settle those arguments. I hated knowing that they were going home, talking about continuing these conversations, but not getting to a resolution. I hated that we were going forward with the plan because This one person agreed or decided that this was the way to go, but the other person didn't. Yeah, the dominant person in the relationship usually wins. And the dominant person is the person 
who, this is going to sound bad, but who doesn't care about the other person's feelings. They're like, I don't care if you're mad. I'm still, this is what we're doing. I don't care if you're sad. I don't care if you're scared. This is what we're doing. And when the other person cares, well, I don't want him to get upset. Well, I don't want him to get mad. Well, I don't want him to get sad. Well, I don't want him to be emotional, basically. So in fact, in order for him not to get emotional, I'll suppress my emotions. And all of this governs the way we connect in our relationships. So financial therapy at its core is to help you reconcile your emotions around money. And as you reconcile your emotions around money, you reconcile your emotions. Period. Dot. So remember how I said between zero and five years old, you are beginning to, you're observing and you're beginning to interpret and create your beliefs. This is your beliefs around money, but this is about your beliefs in life, period, about love, money, and health, and success, and all the things. Now, what you don't know is that love is at the basis of all of those beliefs. So 85% of what you believe about love is set in place. And then on top of that belief is a belief about money, is a belief about success, is your belief about health, is your belief about anything else. Mm, There was a little approximate rhyme there. Nice. So that means that there's a connection between love and money. And in self-sync financial therapy, what we do is we really drill down into the connection between love and money. Because what you're doing right now, you believe it should get you the love you deserve and desire. But what you don't know is that the interpretation that you made at five years old was yours and yours alone. Nobody else went through those experiences but you. So because you're the one who went through those experiences and made those interpretations, you're also the person making the expectations that working hard and providing for your family should get you love. It's just not true. Because your spouse needs something else. And you've got to figure out what that is. But before you can do that, you have to first reconcile your own emotions around money. This is where the money mentality comes in. This is your money personality. Once you reconcile your emotions around money by understanding your strengths and your challenges around money, where they came from, your money history, and understanding how you relate to money. Now, it's not going to be good or bad. I want you to understand that. When you go into the assessment phase of the five-phase action plan for creating your presidential lifestyle, it is not about you being wrong. It is not about you, you know, doing things the wrong way. It really is about 
you doing things the safe way, which then got you stuck in this emotional roller coaster. You kept doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Well, financial therapy is set in place to help you become aware of that roller coaster so that you no longer do the same thing, expecting a different result. Now, here's the thing. You were told that doing the same thing, expecting a different result was the definition of insanity, but it's actually the definition of humanity. We all do it. We all do the same thing, expecting a different result because this is how the brain stays alive. It is how the brain stays safe. It just doesn't realize that in keeping you safe, it's keeping you stuck. So essentially what financial therapy is, is your way of getting unstuck. When you connect with a financial therapist, they're going to help you reconcile your emotions around money by being helping you become aware of the interpretations you made very early in life and then unpacking those interpretations so that they're no longer holding you back, that you can use them to propel yourself forward. Now, for some, that your money beliefs kept you from becoming financially successful, but the people I work with are typically financially successful, but their relationships aren't. And those two go together because there is a connection between love and money. Many of us are using our money to get love, but we're just going about it in a way that we think is right. We have interpreted as right, but the people we love require something else. And so in our work together in self-sync financial therapy, which in the next episode, I'll tell you why Self-sync financial therapy is so powerful and also why talk therapy and traditional financial therapy don't work as well on their own. But in self-sync financial therapy, the work is to help you create your idea of the presidential lifestyle. And when you decided you wanted to be successful, you stopped with the money, you didn't realize there was a love connection. So why don't we work to get you and your clients to your idea of the presidential lifestyle? And you can do that using financial therapy. So right now you probably have questions and I suggest you go to my community, the free community for legal and financial professionals to help their clients reconcile their emotions around money because there is an emotional part of money that you might not be touching on. And if you jump into the presidential lifestyle community, I'll give you some tips, some tools, some resources, but I'll also answer your questions so you can figure out how to apply this to your specific situation or your client's specific situation or more, most importantly, your practice. So you can add it into your existing approach. It'll take time. But if you jump into the community, you and I can dive deeper into exactly how to do that. So there's a link in the description and go ahead and click on it. It'll take you right there. And the community is free. So join us, ask me questions and 
not only reconcile your own emotions around money, get a deeper understanding of what financial therapy is, isn't this today? What, what I started with is just a little seed that I'm dropping. Allow me to water that seed in the community and then you can harvest it as you see fit. Maybe you and I work together intimately more closely to transform your practice, or maybe you take it and you got it. You already, you figured it out on your own. Either way, I'd like to connect with you. So see you in the community. See you next week. And remember, when you believe it, you'll soon see it.